In improvisational theater, there is an adage that says, make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, speaking with guests and listeners like you. Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here is your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I am delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the sixth episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com. Or go to the voiceamerica.com business channel and be sure to download the app. Now, if you missed last week's show, I interviewed my college roommate, Juliet Craig, and we discussed our aha moments of discovering our own white privilege and racism. If you want to check it out, head to my website. So now, I am super happy to announce today's guest, leadership coach and founder of the concept leader like you, Robert Kahn. Welcome, Robbie. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Good. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So let me first tell the listeners how we met. Back in 2004, I was part of a professional network. And because of lots of other commitments, I decided that I needed to cut something out and decided to leave the network. During what I thought was my last meeting with them, they discussed bringing in some guy by the name of Robert Robert Kahn. And I was just like, "Ah, who is this guy? And as soon as I heard this guy's background, I knew I needed to meet him. And folks, we have been working together ever since then. So now let me tell you a bit about Robbie so you'll see why I was so in awe when I heard about him. He is one pragmatic, energetic, hyperactive guy. And for better or for worse, it rubs off onto others, usually for the better. In fact, I challenge anyone to match Robbie's speed at taking apart and setting up a training room. Robbie, I remember this one time when we were training, I had walked into the classroom and I'm like looking around. And the next thing I know, you'd already taken apart three tables. (laughs) That were actually not able to move. Yeah, I know. Those tables can't be moved. Yeah, we've heard that more than once. Robbie's background is in marketing and public relations, and he's been running his own business since 2002. Robbie is the creator of Leader Like You, which is a communication and leadership concept and includes multiple pragmatic models and a business toolbox designed to induce growth. Later, we're going to be talking more about several of the tools from that toolbox. Now, one of the many things we have in common is that we both agree that the communication skills of executives and their teams are pivotal, pivotal to an organization's success. And as a communication and leadership coach and consultant, Robbie works across multiple industries and international non-governmental organizations. Robbie's extensive experience and vision enable him to boost and reform business behaviors, giving his clients the tools to take their businesses and performance to the next level. So knowing all that, Robbie, I'd like to start off by asking you to tell the listeners how you first got interested in coaching and self-development. Well, I 
started to coach some of my bosses in PR and communications in the end of the 90s. Mm. And in early 2000, I worked with a gentleman who called me up one day. Business was just starting up in 2001, 2002. And he said, could you go up to the Nordics and run a course on coaching? And I thought, well, why not? I've been coaching a boss individually. I got them to better communication skills. So I went up and I ran this coaching class. And the participants said, that was fantastic. Where did you learn coaching? And I, I, was, I felt like an imposter because I, I said, I'm not certified yet. And I, I will become certified. And this repeated itself. And I, and I really went inside and thought, where did you learn coaching? And then it dawned on me. And this is a bit of a strange story. In the 1970s, I'm one, okay, I have to tell you, I'm one of three kids. I'm the youngest. So my sister's 18 months older and my brother's four years older. And you grew up outside of Minneapolis. St. Paul, Minneapolis. My parents came in and said, we want our family relationship to be better. They marched us into the living room. We sat down and they said they had something important to say. And they said, we have signed up for family counseling with a counselor named Chris Warren. And once a week, we went to the YWCA, downtown St. Paul. So I was nine years old learning transactional analysis. Amazing. I knew the id, the ego, the superego, the parent, the adult, the child. I could talk to you about warm fuzzies, cold pricklies, you name it. <laughs> and not only did we have a group session, though every week she would see one of us, so there's five in the family. So every five weeks, I got a one-on-one coaching session. Though this was in the 70s. And I didn't realize how, how daring my parents were until later I realized nobody did that stuff. Right. And it was only in the 2000s that when I started to coach, I remembered her question technique, her listening technique, her challenging technique, her probing technique, her empathy technique. <laughs> and it was, it was like opening a box you found up in the attic and it was like, oh, I know how to do this. So that's how I, I realized I could do the coaching and the self-development for other people. And then, of course, later I became certified in, in units and things, and, 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 sure, and it sure. got much better, though that's how it was born. You know, it's, I don't think I ever knew that about you. And yeah. for me, it was kind of similar. It was, I was 15 years old, and my sister would, um, whenever I would go visit her in California, she, instead of going, taking me on holiday, she'd stick me in the back of the classroom. And I was just absorbing all of this unbeknownst to me. And then I was coaching people and thinking, you know, how can I be doing this? I, you know, so so that's fascinating to know that, that it started at such an early age and it was um, such a part, became such a part of your DNA that you could do it so intuitively. And so knowing that, what was the breakthrough that caused you to up your skills and when? Okay, so I was a management associate for a bank in Germany right after graduate school. And this is about what year? 94, 95. Okay. And one of my three rotations was for a wonderful boss named Kitty. And she called me up one day and she had the CEO of the bank and a senior leader from Brussels in a meeting room on the sixth floor. Okay. She called me up and she said, Mr. Khan, please bring up the direct bank folder. So I 
went from the second floor to the sixth floor and trucked up, knocked gingerly on the door. And she had just called two minutes ago. So she came to the door and I, I, I distinctly remember handing her this blue folder and she waved her hand. She said, no. And she came out in the hallway and my brain's thinking, so if she doesn't want the folder, why did she call? And she says, you know, they're really interested in this, this project. And I said, okay. And she said, so it would be really nice for you to give a presentation someday on it. Now, at that point in time, my brain went, oh, okay. So I'm going to go back to my desk, make some appointments, give them to Julia, the assistant who will call somebody, call somebody in three weeks from now, I'll make a 60 page PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> use 20 pages, click through it, get a little lost, show some pretty pictures and get to the end. And, and hopefully survive it. And hopefully survive. And she said, much to my horror, she put her arm out, tapped her watch and said, okay, it's 1030. We're going for coffee in a few minutes. Why don't you stick around and meet everybody? I'm like, oh, really? And then at 1045, just give us a walkthrough for 20, 30 minutes on the project. Oh, my god! So. So I'm up there. So I don't remember the coffee hour. It must have (laughs) not gone well. And I'm up there and she had to jump in several times with things like, well, what Mr. Khan is is referring to is the following. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And then another time she'd say, well, what what he means is. Hmm. And, And so she jumped in several times to help me. I got out of the room, went back to work. And being a great boss, she comes down and she said, so let's just debrief that self-evaluation. How do you think it went? I don't know what I said. Yeah, you know, well, it was probably pretty (laughs) meaningless what I said. And then she leans over and she says, if everything you told me about international business and helping other people and doing what you want to do is true, we're facing a CLM. And since I work for a bank, I thought, credit line management, credit limitation <laughs> mitigation. You know, I, I suggested these things and she leans in and she goes, Khan, this is a career limiting move. Aye, aye, aye. You are about yeah. as exciting as a piece of wood. Go get fixed. She said, listen, find it. I, I can help fund it. So I went out and did it. And I realized I, I didn't want to be authentic. I had all sorts of excuses why I couldn't do it. I had limiting beliefs. I didn't dare to get up. I didn't dare make mistakes. I, I didn't dare share who I was in positive and negative. And I had to learn to do that. And for me, that was the breakthrough. That meant I could learn stuff. I could codify things. I could get better and consistently improve. And what a beautiful story to have a boss like that. And I, I want to point out, because most of the listeners are um, in, in North America. And so when we hear um, a boss referring to their subordinate as Mr. Khan, <laughs> though that's yeah. very German. That's why she would do that, right? She well, she's, she's American. And she, oh, she, American. She, lives in, she lives in Chicagoland. And I asked her, and she said, the minute you start working for me, my respect is either to call you Khan or Mr. Khan. Uh-huh. And we're family friends. Uh-huh. So her kids and my kids and her husband and my wife, we all know each other. And my kids, when I was little, they said, Daddy, why does she call you Mr. Khan? And to this day, <laughs> we go for dinner. Mr. Khan, will meet you downtown at 630. <laughs> she still calls me Mr. Khan. Oh, that's funny. It's the respect she offers you. 
and and that respect of her willingness, she probably suspected that it wasn't going to go well in that meeting. And she may have felt like you needed that wake up call, though she was also there to extend the lifeline to get you through that very unpleasant experience. And then, you know, she checked with you and she could see, oh, my God, he's still not getting it when she did the debrief with you afterwards. Oh, yeah, I was I was in denial. So and she must have known you already in denial, which is why she probably said, oh, I think it's time for the, you know. You think so? <laughs> now it's like, it was a, this was an intervention. Yeah, exactly. She was plotting her own intervention, though, at the same time that she had the willingness to um, take that risk with you, to be there with you when you fell, to yeah. come back to you and say, uh, you know, do you get it yet? And you're like, still didn't get it. And she's like, okay, let me spell it out. And then she said, so go get fixed and I will pay for it. You know, so what it, 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 it sounds like a tough love intervention moment that she yeah. gave you. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a huge gift. It was a huge gift. And today, for example, just fast forward, I had a person presenting and I said, how do you think a presentation went? She said about a, a four out of 10. Oh, I said, I would put you up at a seven. And she said, no way. I was, I was so bad. And I said, you know, if I compare you to where I was in the mid 1990s, <laughs> you are miles ahead of me. And she was like, really? That's so helpful because I never thought so. And I said, oh, <laughs> trust me. Right. You're, and you're far ahead. Similar to you, I also had many disaster moments presenting. And it's, I think it's one of the things that's so encouraging when we're working with our coaches to say, there's good news here. You know, this is how bad I was. And look where I am today. This, these skills are all totally coachable. You just got to be willing to work at it. At the back page of my coaching manual, I have scanned in a picture of a Band-Aid. Uh-huh. Because I tell people, when you go out and do this stuff, you'll still skin your knee. Nice. And you need to put on a Band-Aid and it'll yeah. heal and you'll get yeah, better yeah. and you'll get up there and do it again. Yeah. And be ready to skin your knee because it's, it, it's not about perfection and it's about being you. <laughs> and sometimes you might have to put a tourniquet on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, that was back in the mid 1990s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great story. So Robbie, I want to pause for a moment and um, do a little overview of this model that um, my sister Pat Kirkland developed that you know so well, because I want the listeners to be up to speed as we talk about this next part. So this model is called predator prey partner. And the idea is that most of the time, most of us are behaving as partners, meaning I'm holding high respect for myself, high respect for the other all as well. Under pressure, stress, perceived threat, crisis, COVID, or just if we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we can slip into one of the other extremes. The predator holds too much respect for herself, not enough for others. So if Robbie and I are having a conversation and I disagree and I go predator on him, I, Robbie, no, that's Robbie, that's crap. No, but would you just, you know, and I'm sounding aggressive and intense and Robbie's going, and the opposite is the prey who shows too much respect for others, not enough for herself. So if Robbie and I are in disagreement, I say, Robbie, but but I, I know, I'm so sorry, Robbie. Could I just, could, I, I just want to explain. I'm sorry. Could I, can I, please? Amy, no. <laughs> right. And <laughs> even someone like Robbie, a super nice guy, 
that could trigger him to get go predator towards me. Okay, so the idea is you want to step in partner before you need it. Stay in partner when the going gets tough. All right, now that you have that as a reference, um, I, Robbie, I have got to ask you to talk about, I've heard the story before and I just love it. Talk about like the most predator. I mean, because I, I know you had more than one predator boss. So you had like this ultra predator boss. So talk about him. Yeah. So I had a boss and I was in PR and communication. So sometimes I was doing things directly for him. And sometimes I was doing things through somebody else to him. And on his interactions with us, Amy, there's, when things are partner in the office, I say it's atmosphere. People have tons of discretionary effort. They're willing to jump in the air, ask how high. For Kitty, I was like, how high do you want me to go? With this boss, it wasn't atmosphere. It was at most fear. <laughs> and, and so low discretionary effort, and it was the safety zone. You know how when your Windows PC would start up with just the blue background and white letters, and it would say, Windows has started in safety mode. Yeah. Essential features have been removed. Yeah. That's how we would be. A, a, a dimin- dim- diminished version of ourselves, mm. not taking chances, not showing innovation, not going out. And what I discovered was when I saw the model, oh, I was so prey. Yeah. So he... He drove everybody prey. Right. And, and, and so the, the cost was innovation, the truth. Later, it'd be like, you know, why didn't you tell me? And, and we're like, well, I was trying. And, and not only that, I would, when, when he was in the office and I had to go up to that floor and bless him, you know, he, he was very intelligent, highly articulate, and, and many degrees. Though I would walk past his office like the Pink Panther, and just and and try not to be seen, and occasionally get called in. Oh God! And and you would you would have an uninterrupted stream of thoughts and ideas that you you couldn't respond to. And so when I saw the predator prey partner model, yeah, what I realized was that I thought I was partner most of the time. Mm-hmm. And after self-reflection <laughs> and owning it is I realized to what extent I was conditioned to go pray. Yeah. And so after this boss, I, I went to an online company as director of corporate communication, public relations. And before we go oh, on yes, to go this ahead. part, I'm, I'm, I want to pull this apart some more because uh, what was that like to have that aha moment to realize, assuming, it, thinking, oh, I'm mostly partner and realizing that you were actually much more often prey? Well, I think I did both ends. Uh, oh, I could do predator in mm-hmm. travel circumstances at home. Right, though, and, not in that work environment with that boss. Oh, no, no, no. No, that would have been signing your death certificate. Oh, and anybody did, did sign their death certificate. They were out and soon afterwards. It, I, was, I was sad that, one, I wasn't able to, to do the partner. And I don't think I had the skills and the tools and the micro behaviors to go do it to self-coach myself in the moment. Mm. Like our, our, our gentleman in the orange trousers. 
that we faced one day. Yeah, we got to talk about him. Yeah. And I'd like to think today I could handle it in partner. Yes. And still with some stomach acid of, oh boy, it's not easy. No, no. He, because he, he was such an ultra predator that yeah. you, we can, you and I can both do partner now with predators like that, except it takes a tremendous amount of focus and control. And I explain to people that you're not very authentic in that moment because you're on hyper alert and you're, it's like you're in front of an airplane that's taking a nosedive and you've got to pay attention to all the panels and do Uh all, you know, do this and then do that and not do this, not do that in order to control your body language, voice and words. And um, so I'm going off on a tangent and then I want to come back to, um, the continuation of your story. I remember I had multiple predator bosses who I usually picked fights with um, and had a short lived career in each of those (laughs) jobs. Remember you telling me that. One boss I had, um, he was a predator's predator and, and a a bit like um, you, you couldn't trust when he would, blow up. Mm. He stayed away from me most of the time because I think I showed up with so much self-confidence mm. that s- somehow he knew not to mess with me. And so in the nine months, the nine long months that I worked there, he only um, uh, um, went predator on me once. And he's got me in his office and he's yelling at me and he's giving me books and he's piling these books up. And I'm supposed to be taking, you know, and the books are like, we have about 12 books. Taller than you. Yeah, almost. And um, I just remember this chant in my mind, shut up, Amy, shut up, shut up, Amy, shut up. Because I did not trust myself to open my mouth because I I was biding my time. I was waiting for to get my um, work permit. Uh, You know, I had to pass like another four or five weeks in this job before, you know, one domino was going to impact another, impact another. So I knew I couldn't afford to get fired or quit the job. And so even though I wasn't a prey and even Mm. though I was willing to go toe to toe with this guy, I couldn't take that risk. So I had to suppress every instinct in me to uh, go predator back on this guy. So picking it back up, you were starting to tell another well, what I wanted to share was fast forward a couple of years later, how I could coach a predator boss out of predator boss into partner. Say that again. I coached a predator boss into partner. Okay. And you were the subordinate. No, he was my client. Okay. You were already. Okay. Gotcha. And this was a gentleman who was getting a 20 out of a hundred on his engagement survey when the company average was 80 unbelievable. And they blew the whistle on him. And I had a pretty bad WebEx call with him to introduce myself. And he was very dismissive. And I remember at the end of the call, I said, I have a gift. And he's like, okay, what is it? And I said, I'm going to send you an article called coaching the alpha male. And three weeks later, he selected me as his coach. And this was the phone call where he was, it, it, so walk me through that. Cause he was really dismissive of me. Well, I was on hold for 12 minutes and then <laughs> not, he, he not that, then not that you were paying attention. <laughs> and then he finally comes on the call. He's like, hello, who is this? Like, wow. Robert Kahn. Who? Robert Kahn. What do you want? It's like, well, we have an appointment to talk about coaching. 
And then he's like, oh, I don't need the coaching. It's like, okay. And then he says, I only have 13 minutes till my next meeting. Make it quick. Sure. So I introduced myself. And then at the end, he said, yeah, this coaching thing, I don't know. And I said, well, if it ever becomes interesting, here's an article. Okay. So that's when you gave him the article. Okay. And then he hires you. Okay. And then I went to Southern India to coach him for three days. And I arrived during a tantrum. He was screaming at somebody in the staff and slammed the door. No. And then when he saw, then I went to ask for him and went to his office. He sits me down and says, you want a cup of tea? So I said, sure. And he was really nice and partnery and lovely to me. He opens his door and he says to his assistant, snaps his fingers. And he says, we'll take two white teas. And I couldn't believe he snapped his fingers. And she brought him in shaking. And so I coached the guy on the micro behaviors of, of the model. Mm. And on the third day, he, he made a public announcement to his team, how we're stepping into partner. Long story short, his engagement survey went up to 90 for the next four or five years. He so, sent me his results yearly. He's like, I'm at an 89, I'm a 91. And oh, yeah, he got it. So let, break it down. We have, we, we're going to take a break in just a, um, a minute or two, though. I won't, um, I'm curious to know, what did you coach him on that gave him that aha and that awareness and that motivation to change? When we walked through the model and I asked him where he was on a scale, a dichotomy, Mm-hmm. He put himself far too close to partner. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> Got some bad news. <laughs> you're, you're, you're practically past here. And I had some recordings of things I had taken, of interactions. And I showed him. And the camera doesn't lie. How much in denial was he? High in denial. Though after that, he was okay. He was, he's, I, I got to talk to people. And then he went and checked with people. Okay, so and he they, was in denial. He, though it doesn't sound like he resisted for very long. no. And he's, nice. and he started to ask people, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you are. Oh, and, how and, scary for them. Yeah. And there was another breakthrough forum though on the third day. Okay. So we're going to pause there. I want to take a break and you're going to tell me about that uh, breakthrough and ha moment when we come back. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. And if you're interested in connecting with Robbie, check out his website his website, leaderlikeyou.com, or you can send him an email at hello at leader like you. Okay, back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less hassle. 
Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Call into the program today with questions or comments or your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to share. The toll-free number in North America is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. I'm here with my colleague, Robbie Kahn, and Robbie left us on a cliffhanger there. So, Robbie, you had this CEO, senior guy who was a major predator. You were working with him in Southern India, and you had given him this aha moment. So, um, Tell us, and then his, you said his, his scores just skyrocketed from 20% to close to 90%, you said, right? Yeah, he did a great job. So on day three, he stopped me and he said, oh, it's time for my check-in with my CEO and chairman of the board. Oh, okay. I, you mentioned that day one. You know, I forgot it. Okay, so he wasn't the CEO. He was a senior guy. and He was a, a finance person. Got it. So he then said, I'm going into this room, which is a, a physical presence room where the, the audio and the video, and it looks like you're in the same room that we're all in three locations. Great. And I said, listen, so I'm going to bring my tripod in and just film you in case something comes up. I'll sit in the corner and do my work. Won't say anything. Don't worry. I won't interrupt. Okay, cool. So we get in there and this time he puts in the wrong code for his call and gets the, eh, please check the number. So he puts in two, three numbers, gets a little upset calls his assistant, gets the new code. She tells him it's changed two weeks ago. She told him now, Ooh, he's demonstrating some predator behaviors. And, and then towards he gets, his assistant towards himself, towards his assistant, he's hot and bothered. And he gets on the call and there's two gentlemen just looking at him. And let's call him Mike, Mike, where have you been? Well, I, and they said, your scorecard is yellow and red. You promised your scorecard would be green by now. This is the CEO saying this to him. Yeah. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder where he got the, the permission to behave this way, probably from them, the entitlement. So anyway, they're berating him about his scorecard and the lack of DSOs and getting cash in. And, and then, Amy, he starts to stutter and go low volume, upward inflection. He's moving in his swivel chair and he's sweating. And I'm looking at the gentleman saying, I don't recognize him. He flipped and he got through the call and recovered a little bit. And after the call, I said, Mike, what happened? Oh, 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 yeah. He said, so I forgot to tell you. <laughs> I, for my mother-in-law, my mother, local government, national government, and boss, I go power under. 
severely. Oh my God. And I said, wow, that's so interesting because with everybody else, you're power over and with them, you're power under. <sighs> and he, and he said, well, I don't think I was so bad. And I said, oh, we need to look at the video. <laughs> oh, trust and, me. It and was after, bad, Mike. <laughs> and after that, he, he, he said never again. But what I want to say here is I see this in the corporate and organizational world, the power over power under flip. Yep. And where I, I encourage people to be is that power, power with. Right. Which is the partner. Yeah. And so power under is the prey. So he, so what huge gifts you gave this guy and just, and you were with him nonstop for three days. Nonstop during for three days over a holiday called Pungle. Uh-huh. Yep. And I had no idea I was showing up during Pungle. It was in February. <laughs> and, and, and that's where they, they throw colors in the street, right? And they burn stuff. And I thought, wow, that's like showing up on like our equivalent of December 24th, 5th and 26th. Wow. And his desire to work three full days was amazing. Wow. So he put in the work. And so he said to you, never again, meaning I'm not going power under, I'm not going pray again. Exactly. It's not going to happen. Yep. So did you, so that meant with his mother, his mother-in-law, those, those relationships changed. Apparently so. We wow. were in touch for several years and he said, things are stable and good. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, so Robbie, I'm curious to hear, um, one of the, the tools that you use from your leader like you concept is something called I equals Q times A. And, I, I, and it's not, I'd love for you to explain this concept and go into some detail about it. Sure. So I is our full impact of getting more what we want, more of the time, less hassle, less resistance, more buying in all areas of our life. And so the two variables, there's quality of what we do and say. And then there's the acceptance we get through the quality of what we say and do. Kind of like buy-in? Yeah. Okay. And I assign 10 points to each. So 10 times 10 is 100, mm-hmm. metaphorically. And when I talk to people in- yeah, You and I use math very metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Had to become a trainer because <laughs> complicated math was not my thing. Though- when I ask people, what do you focus on the most? What is your organization, company, division focus on quality or acceptance? Most people tell me that most people focus on quality most of the time. Sure. Drive sure. it up, drive it up. Don't get errors. Do this. Improve, 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 which is great. And, and you and I, what we do is we help people on, on the quality of what they say and do. So the opportunity variable is acceptance. Now, if I leave up the word acceptance, some smarty pants, and I love it, raises their hand and says, what do you mean acceptance? For me, acceptance is saying yes and then doing yes and following through. What, what, what do you mean? Give me an example of so yes and doing you yes. say, Robbie, we got 19 more surveys. We got to get them done by Thursday. And I say, sure, Amy, no problem. So you said yes. I said, yes. And then you catch me in the hallway Thursday afternoon around <laughs> How five those surveys going? <laughs> with my backpack on my shoulder and car keys in my hand. I'm like, oh, hey, listen, Amy. So I got this thing going on and it's going to be a little bit late, probably going to be Friday. So I said, yes, didn't do it. Got it. And, and so it's building in the tools to get higher acceptance. Now, on the quality, what I find is energy is huge. And your brother's energy scale. I talked to Kevin recently mm-hmm. and I told him I added a couple of variables. 
which he said, okay. wow, this is interesting. Okay. So, so before you, let's uh, review the energy scale for people and then you add the variables. So this is something Kevin developed a uh, scale of one to 10. One is bad life. Two is bad day. No, no. One, two is bad life. Three, four is bad day. Five, six is neutral. Seven, eight is in the zone energy and nine, 10 is over the top. Okay. So take it from there. So what I've called it is positive intensity, negative intensity. Mm-hmm. And so the variables I added was bad day, bad life, bad moment, neutral negative, where you're really boring and dull and me probably mm-hmm. in 1995, neutral positive, where you're giving bad news, new news, or diplomatic news, then the zone, and then over the top. So um, that was an interesting thing you just said. Neutral positive where you're maybe giving bad news. Now, that's going to sound contradictory to people, though, what we coach people to do, and correct me if this is different than what you're thinking, is that even when you're delivering bad news, you want to be slightly, softly upbeat. And go slowly. And so the brain slowly. catches up. Yes. So the annual report we're going to put out next quarter because of COVID will now be delayed till mid-year. We will then move mid. So it's that's okay. Now say that again. Say that again in neutral negative, so the listeners can hear the difference. So the annual report that we're going to put out Q1 is going to be Q2 mid-year review, and we're moving all those things back one or two quarters. Okay. So there's a little passive aggressive, and and almost moving into bad moment. Absolutely noticeable difference between the two. I love that you just demonstrated that. And then bad moment, bad moment's interesting because when you're in bad moment, mm-hmm. you realize, uh-oh, not everything's okay. And in bad moment, you can make a decision to move down to bad life, bad day, and, or move back up. So bad moment would be, let's say we're walking into a meeting and Amy, you say to me, Robbie, do you have the copies for the client? Robbie, so, do you have the copies for the client? No, no, Amy, that was, you guys were going to do it. Remember we sent that email afterwards. No, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Amy, so. No, no, Robbie. We, no. So now we're in bad, bad moment. (laughs) Oh yeah. Which is, which is a very, and it's a, and it's a, I find a coachable moment if I catch myself. Mm -hmm. So back to the I equals Q time thing. Wait a minute. Could you just stay with that for a minute? What would be the coachable moment? What would you do? Bad, bad moment. Right. The little Robbie goes, oh, Robbie, no, you do not want to be here. And don't go south uh-huh. to bad life, bad day and hold them hostage and go okay. power over. And so that's self-coaching. Yeah. yeah. And, and say, go up to neutral positive. And, and you and I will share with the listeners, we were having potentially bad moments uh, just before we started this um, episode because we were struggling with the microphones and the sound and everything. And there was a bit of panic and stress of, oh my God, are we going to sort this out? And so I think there was a lot of self-coaching going on in that moment. So yay to us. <laughs> and I think at one point in time, I said, oh, Amy, I'm stressed. I'm feeling overwhelmed. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the I equals Q times A. The energy can really drive quality. And I do an exercise that I demonstrate how we can move acceptance to amazing levels. Okay. So let's talk about that exercise around acceptance. 
So in the corporate world, very often we react to suggestions, requests to, from other people. And let's do a little exercise where you have a suggestion for my team, how we can do the forecast quicker. Okay. Next quarter. So, um, Robbie, I'd like us to talk about um, how we can improve things with the forecast. Yeah, but Amy, I, I want to, and, and I think it's a great idea, but didn't we talk about that in a team meeting last week? I mean- well, we, we didn't make any final decisions, so I'd like to talk about okay. it now. Okay, good. However, I got this thing coming up in like 10 minutes with Maria and Raj. So, I mean, I go ahead. Well, I know, though, we need to come to it. You, you had agreed that we would talk about this. Yeah, but, okay, I thought we did. And anyway, what is it? Well, Robbie, what I need us to do is make some decisions so that the forecast has is confirmed and we can present it to this, the management board. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And with all due respect, that's fine. But our team came up with a standard operating procedure. And I, I think you, your idea is great. But I don't think you guys are reading or read our SOP, okay? Fine. Okay, pause. So, Amy, let's just let's just score the meeting. On a scale from one to ten, what would you give quality in this meeting? And this meeting, this this this, this exchange, exactly. Um, this. Quality is oh god, ugh. I I'd barely give you a two. Okay, that was really nice. And how accepting am I of the idea of improving the forecast on a zero to zero? 10? Okay, got it. All right, now. Let's assume that that never took place. Clear the slate. Okay, shake it off, shake it off. Shake uh, it off. Great. Okay. Hey, Amy, you wanted to talk to me. Yeah, Robbie, I need to talk to you about the forecast. Oh, okay. And Amy, just a, a question. I think that's interesting. And isn't that what we talked about last week in the team meeting? We did, and we never came to a decision. Oh, okay. And one constraint. In 10 minutes, I'm supposed to go off and see Maria and Raj. Yes. And I think it's a great idea. And especially if we didn't finish it, I thought we did. So what's your, what's your suggestion? I'd like us to uh, make a final decision on what the forecast is going to, um, you know, how we're going to present it to the uh-huh. management team because we need to do that in the next 48 hours. And Amy, I, I think it's opportune to, to bring this up. From my perspective, I think we had a standard operating procedure created, and I'm wondering, maybe you folks didn't get it or see it, and I think that could help us. No. Okay. And I have an idea. Why don't we send over our standard operating procedure approach, have a look at it, and and then after our meeting with Raj and Maria, maybe we can all sit down and go back and talk about this. Oh, that would be great. Thanks, Robbie. Pause. Okay. Amy, so what would you give quality this time? Quality? Let me think. Um, That felt like it was still, we had to work it through. It still felt like it was about a, um, I felt like a six, six or seven. 6.5. Oh, you're giving me tough math. Okay. (laughs) And, And then how accepting was I of the idea of sitting down to do this? Oh, totally. You were, you know, I, I would say you were about an eight. Okay. Okay. So round one was a point. Wait. So round one was 
two times 0.1 (laughs) was 0.2. Robbie is now applying the uh, percent change formula, which he and I have both memorized. It's the only mathematical formula that- Amy, I have to ask you, what was acceptance again? In which round? Round two. Um, Acceptance was the second one, eight. Eight, okay. So 6.5 times 8. So we went from a 0.2 to 52. Okay, so now let's look at this. And this is so exciting. (laughs) Amy, I'm just curious, you know, what what you noticed I did in round one and what I did. You just kept blocking me. Mm -hmm. You, you You were resisting and fighting me. So, Amy, this is amazing. Anything else you know? So, Amy, the percent change from round one to round two was 25,900% better. <laughs> now, I, I ask my people this when I work with them. Would you two like a 25,900% improvement in everything you do everywhere you go? Yes, please. Yeah. And people, they're like, of course. And so... The round one, all I did was said, yeah, but, and yes, however. And in round two, I said, yes, and, or nothing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to fight you on the, in round one. Right. And so the exercise that I do and the, oh, oh, let me ask you, where would you put energy on the energy scale in round one where we got a point two? The energy. Bad life, uh, bad day, bad moment. That was for me, definitely bad day. Bad day. And then round two, where we got a 52. Oh, that was, that was um, in the zone because you, you stuck right. with me and you were willing to discuss it and find a solution. So the, we increased the quality of the meeting with the energy and we yeah. increased the acceptance by moving from the blocking word of yes, but, and however to and. Yeah. And that's how I use I equals Q times A. Wow. That's very sophisticated. Um, I have a more rugged <laughs> approach. And so if I summarize this for listeners, folks, what's important here is when we use the word but, when we use the word however, we will unintentionally create resistance and frustration in other people and maybe even conflict. And, you know, it was Robbie who first designed this exercise and we started doing it. We've been doing this for years in trainings. I still continue to do it in these demos. And it, you, you, you know, if you didn't realize that Robbie was saying yes, but every time, cause he, he was even emphasizing, he was exaggerating when he would say, but, or when he would say end. So you might want to go back and listen to that part of the episode again, when you can download it and, um, and see if you can tell, because it's insanely simple once it's been explained, and yet people don't see it, they don't hear it. And I have people say, I'm sure you do too, Robbie, oh, but I don't say but when in conflict. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, um, like you mean right now? <laughs> two buts in that sentence. And Amy, one th- sorry. Go ahead. Interrupt. I get people to change their computers. Yes, thank you. Their, their word and tell autocorrect them how, Tell options. listeners how to do that. So you go review language preferences and autocorrect options, replace but with and and however with and. And then I, I get people to do this on their phone, their Samsung, Android, 
iPhone, whatever, so that when they, and they have them type a WhatsApp home, honey, I love you, but, and it switches to honey, I love you. And I'll be late tonight. And, and people tell me that that gets them out of more unwanted resistance than a lot of things. Yes. My call to action is to encourage people to remove button, however, and change to and. And the reason I say that is because when you change your language, you change your life. Nice. Yeah. And for me, um, sometimes when people first hear it, especially if they haven't been part of the exercise, they're very skeptical. So just notice now, listeners, as you're hearing this discussion is there a part of you who's, you know, your brain's already start going, no, that's just ridiculous. That's not possible. That's not feasible. Um, except if you have conflict in your life, you're going to want to pay attention to how often the word but comes out of your mouth. And so we recommend for, you know, just spend the next week just noticing if all of a sudden you have a disagreement with your teenager or your partner or your colleague See if you can trace back in your sentence, did you use the word but, did you use the word however? And then, because you're going to have to find the motivation to be willing to change because it definitely takes effort to change. Now, um, I don't know if you have a resource, Robbie. I recommend that people go to my website and um, go to my newsletters and read newsletter number four, because that talks all about how to get rid of but and however, and all of the words in English that you can replace it with. And of course, because Robbie and I work with with so many international people who are speaking so many other languages, we encourage them. Oh, yes, you've got it written down there. (laughs) I have a participant next morning. He he left me in but in Chinese and all the and in Chinese. And he gave me 11 different buts in Chinese, in Mandarin. Holy smokes. (laughs) And then I want to, I now read another one here from a Danish participant who said, a piece of feedback. Wednesday evening, I left the seminar and went home. And had dinner with my wife. I had the most meaningful and open conversation with my wife for a long time. And, underlined, I am positive that not using yeah, but, but, yeah, but was a crucial enabler. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And years later, people come up and say that was one of the things that helped us the most. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting how it pulls you into almost instant partner. Mm-hmm. It's and like, this is add water and you got power with. Yeah. Now, what a lot of people um, may not be aware of is this for me is one of the tenets of improvisational theater. And in fact, in just um, a, a next week's episode, I'm going to be interviewing an amazing improviser. Now, one of the tenets of improv is um, when you block a scene, when you deny someone's reality, you can kill the scene. And saying but is the equivalent to blocking a scene. So it really, just notice if you're resistant to this idea and just see if you can shift yourself into this place of curiosity. Like, hmm, maybe there's something to this because we've been doing this for long enough to see that it really does pay off for people. Robbie, I would love for you to spend, uh, if you can, a couple of minutes. I don't know how long this story is. You told me once about a car accident in Argentina. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was in Argentina driving north to Uruguay yes. in July. It was a cold, rainy winter day. July uh-huh. 1st is like end of December, January here. Cold and dark. And I was stopped at a roundabout and was projected by somebody who hit me from behind off into the ravine. 
and my rental car was unusable. Oh, my God. And we went to the police station, and I had to fill out all these forms, and the name of the place was Guayeguaychil. Already, I had to look at a form just to spell the thing, and the police station had no heat, and I had to sit and wait until the inspector came, and it was about a four-hour wait sitting in the police station. And I'm faced with a rental car that doesn't work, have to get across the border. And the man who's sitting there was stringing fishing lures. So I said, oh, I'm from Minnesota. We have lots of lakes and streams. And I started talking about fishing. Uh We created a connection. And then once I created the connection and, and the power dynamic was neutralized, I said, you and your buddies you work with wouldn't be able to help me get my trunk closed and repair the car so I can drive across the border. 20 minutes later, I had four police officers rummaging through uh, things they had to repair my car. And I have <laughs> photographs and we became friends and I sent <laughs> three reels of lure and fishing line and, 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 and I got the glowing letter back. He's like, I can't believe you sent that. Thank you very much. That's so lovely. And what it taught me was the power of the connection and not having negative intent. And, and for me, um, I'm curious to know, what were you doing when you said you equalized the power dynamic? What did you do in that moment? I resisted his br- br- brushing me off ah. as I was speaking to him. I would speak and I would get very gruff one word answers. So in my I world, I, yeah, I would call that pretending not to notice when the other person is being difficult. Right. Oh, fantastic. And, and just kept going in and create the connection and, and, and just how much they shifted from you're nobody to you're somebody. Yes. And then the acknowledgement recognition at both ends. Nice. Well, Robbie, um, we're going to wrap up the show, though. Uh, there are so many more things we want to talk about. If I would love it for you to come back on sometime and, dive into more of this. Now, I have a call for action for the listeners. I want you to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, and mishaps, blunders, as well as your successes. You can do that via email at amy, with my email address, amy at carolcoaching.com, or reach out to me on social media, Amy Carol Coaching. And I'll be sure to read them and discuss them on future shows and offer suggestions and ideas. Shout out to you, Robbie. It was just an absolute treat to have you on and to talk with you. Thank you for the time today. Thank you, Amy. Now, if you want to reach Robbie, you can get to him at hello at Leader Like You or his website, Leader Like You. And LinkedIn, you can find him on Robert Charles Kahn. Now, be sure to tune in next week. I'm going to be talking with Andrew Tarvin, an improv expert and an all-around nice guy. We're going to be talking about how humor can can be taught and be used to drive business results. You've been wonderful for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. And you've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.